Okay, so Congress bought a couple of weeks by passing a short-term continuing resolution. Contractors, though, have other things to worry about before they go back to worrying about a partial government closure. Here with a couple of items, Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners. And Larry, why don't we start with GSA's postponement of the EIS transition deadline? That can't be great news. Tom, it's not good news. It's not good news if you're a contractor that has been waiting for a couple of years now for EIS business to start on top of potentially millions of dollars and certainly thousands of hours of time. Your company has invested in either becoming an EIS prime or even a supplier subcontractor to an EIS prime. Uh, You've seen a lot of requirements from GSA, a lot of expenditure for money. Uh, People were trying to uh, anticipate getting some actual EIS revenue in the short term. Uh, Now that may not happen. But if you go back to the history of transitions to these big IDIQ telecom contracts, and telecom, I realize, is the old-fashioned word for it, but you know the transition series here, it's always years late, isn't it? It is always years late. Uh, Right now we're talking about doing business through the network contract, which uh, will eventually be replaced by EIS. And networks itself, Tom, took a long while to get running for agencies to transition over to it. Now we're talking about taking a long time for agencies to transition from it. It kind of makes me wonder whether the whole approach to uh, this type of contract for telecommunication solutions continues to make sense. Certainly large IDIQ contracts make sense for IT and professional services, but that's in the case of those contracts like Alliant or Oasis, contractors actually can see a return on their investment once they get over the hurdle. Here, it seems as if the horizon keeps getting pushed further out, and it's a lot of pain for no immediate gain. And I wonder, because these bidders that spent a lot of time and money getting onto this IDIQ, do you feel that they're able to tell their overseers that, yeah, this is normal in federal contracting, don't expect the return on this investment, exactly when we said you would start getting it? That is a big concern, Tom. Keep in mind that almost all of the companies, whether primes or subs in this uh, environment, are inherently commercial companies. And while federal government business is important to these firms, in the grand scheme of things, it represents a relatively small amount of their total business. Having to go back to corporate executives or, for a small business, funders, and saying, thank you for your money, we appreciate your support, Unfortunately, you're not going to see a return on your investment quite when we told you you would because the government is moving more slowly than anticipated. That's not an easy thing for a federal division or the owner of a small business to tell his investors, and it certainly won't really be received well by the people who uh, hold the purse string. Yeah, it reminds me of that old television ad. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature Ah, just as the lightning ah, strikes. ah, ah. So what is the outlook for EIS, and do these delays mean that the demand can keep building for the services offered? I think what it really means, Tom, is that we're going to see a lot of business continue to throw flow through the networks contract as well as WITS, the sister contract to it. Uh, That's typically what happens in these types of situations. 
we saw a lot of business, for example, get booked on Alliant 1 as it wound down before Alliant 2 spun up. So it'll be the same thing here. That's basically good news if you're one of the companies that happens to be represented on each of the contracts, Tom. But if you have been putting your eggs in the EIS basket, you're going to be uh, in a little bit of a, a world of trouble uh, trying to get uh, added to a supplier's networks contract or find some other way to reach your customer. So we're going to, I don't think we're going to see a lot of pent-up demand uh at some point, agencies do have to fulfill their requirements uh, and bring their telecommunications capabilities into the modern world. Whether they do that via networks or EIS, I don't know that they have a preference for vehicle. In fact, if they did, it's probably for the vehicle they already know how to use and have been using for the last few years instead of a new one. So uh, if you're waiting uh, for EIS to uh, deliver now you know that your wait's going to get a little bit longer. It, it's going to come in transition, but it's going to come more slowly than you might have liked it. We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners. And switching gears here, the latest numbers are out a couple of weeks ago on protests, annual federal contract protests. And you're finding that uh, they are useful for the people that decide to embark on that course of action of suing their customer? Tom, the numbers come in every year and show just that, that protests continue to prove to be a useful part of government acquisition. This year's numbers showed that a protester got something of what they wanted at least 44% of the time, whether that was a suspension of the procurement for a reevaluation, some other sort of remedial action. And in fact, Tom, that 44% number is a little bit low because that's taken from the percentage of all protests that were filed. If you strip away from that number, protests that were untimely or out of scope, the fact is that over half of protests receive some sort of remedial action, uh, which gives you protester the chance to bid again another day. And I guess if you're that same type of company trying to convince your management that this is a decent market or that we need to keep putting resources into this market, if sometimes contracts are delayed, as we discussed earlier, sometimes you have recourse when you're not the chosen contractor might be a counter argument as to why this market has its unique dynamics. That's right. Uh, You have the opportunity as a losing contractor to protest Uh, if you do so in a timely and reasonable manner. And I'm a big advocate for filing the occasional protest, Tom. Uh, You shouldn't be a serial protester, and you shouldn't be filing protests on baseless grounds. But if you see remedial action being taken in a substantial number of cases, that's an indication that the protest process is, in fact, needed in order for us to have the acquisition system work in the way it was intended to. Look at some of the reasons why protests were sustained. Agencies didn't follow the technical evaluation factors they say they were going to follow. Uh, They didn't follow the cost or pricing evaluation uh, scenarios they said they were going to. Uh, They didn't make the proper source selection decision based on what the RFP or RFQ said. These are all 
uh, evidence to me that protests serve as an important check and balance on the acquisition system. And it's not very much in the grand scheme of things if you're an Oracle or a Lockheed, but there is a filing fee for protests. Will that suppress maybe some of the frivolous ones, do you think? Tom, it's too early to tell whether or not the filing fee initiated in the middle of the FY18 year will have an impact on the net number of protests filed. All we can say for FY18 was that the total number of protests were down fractionally. Certainly, I think that's a good indication that it may start to have an impact on frivolous protests. Uh, But the fact remains that if you've got a reasonable ground to protest uh, and you want to protect your business, either current or future, uh, you should seriously consider doing so. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. As always, thanks so much. Tom, I appreciate your time, and I wish your listeners happy selling. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.